Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you wherever you may be. Welcome to the Lighthouse Live program on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Mike Douglas with you here along with our co-host and producer Chris Whitler. Hey, hey. A man of many hats, YWAM director and uh, extraordinary musician, composer, singer. And also uh, with us tonight, uh, one of our great friends and partners in uh, the ministry here in the greater Modesto area, Kevin Carroll, the man at the helm of the Modesto Gospel Mission. Great to have you back with us. It's been a while since you've been with us, right? It, it has been a while. I think it's been uh, around last Super Bowl time, I think, because we yeah, were talking right. about how that's bad right. Denver got beat. Yeah. <laughs> Your your team, I believe that was you were saying. Yeah, we're not going to go into that. Let's not. Right yet, uh, well, God bless you. You know, there's because there's always next year. There there is. Yeah, there's That's always yes. right. Yes, January's it's December, but January's coming. That's right. Sounds like so, it's going to be back. Oh. Well, there's one of the talents coming out right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we have to pay royalties on that? Yeah, yeah I better, it was less than about singing, it was yeah. less than ten seconds. I think it's a, oh, <laughs> I think it's okay. Just a reminder, friends, if you, uh, you're in our area, so important that the body of Christ be connected with the community, and we provide you easy on ramps to do that. If you check out our website at vibrantcommunities.org, vibrantcommunities.org, click on the uh, meet a need today tab there and it'll take you to I don't know, sometimes between 200 to 400 yeah. opportunities to serve and you can get connected with a way to really follow Jesus's example to love your neighbor as yourself and what a, what a great time to do that at this season but uh, with that we remind you that you know what people are hungry 365 days a year mm-hmm. now, the single moms and dads who are struggling they're struggling 365 days a year so great for us to do it you know during the holidays but man people are suffering all year round and uh they need your help and they need your relationship and they need to sense the love grace and mercy of Jesus Christ through you all year round and uh, appropriate that we're talking about that tonight yeah. because uh Kevin man you you're dedicated to that and you've sacrificed and God's just doing great things through you and the mission Kevin Carroll, two R's, two L's. I two learned, R's, two L's. I learned that tonight. Yeah, this uh, little thing, you might not know that uh, Christmas is one of my favorite times of year because they sing carols. Ah. Ah. Oh, <laughs> man. That's, I'm sorry. I'll stop right you now. You are a Christmas carol. I am a Christmas. I'm, I am a Kevin Carroll. That's maybe not a Christmas carol. But. It's alliterative, though, just like Christmas <laughs> yeah, just, Kevin well, maybe give us just a little state of the union at the at the mission uh right now. How's the year gone? 
And uh, what what uh, what kind of activities do you have going on? And this is a busy time of year for the mission. Yeah, uh, the mission's doing well. Um, of course, financially, we could always do better. Yeah, uh, we're we uh, are a nonprofit, and that means nonprofit. Um, <laughs> We like and, to say here that we put the non back in nonprofit. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I could use that. Um, but besides that, I have to say that God is our provider, mm-hmm. and I'm a firm believer that those He calls, He equips, and He it's His ministry. And so this last year has been full of practical ministry. We've seen more graduations from the New Life program than we ever have. Uh, about 15 graduations. Wow. Um, and the new life program, let me just go into that real quick. Sure. Is a long-term program for both men and women, uh, that may be experiencing issues with, um, drug or alcohols or alcohol issues or maybe any other issues, um, controlling their life. And so we have that long-term program for them to get back up on their feet again. Uh, if they need their diploma, their GED, um, resume writing, whatever we help them out with. So uh, that's been exciting. Uh, we're also getting ready. It seems like we've been getting ready forever uh, to expand. Uh, our women, yes, our women, our, exciting. Yes, our Women and Children's Center. Um, and I have to be honest that when I first came, I was like, wow, we really need to build a building and didn't know the first thing about that. <laughs> yeah. How hard could it be? How hard could it be? <laughs> Just... Yeah. So anyway, I won't go any farther on that one, but, uh, had some very lofty goals. And unfortunately, it's been a little while since we've been able to get that building built. Uh, we are still in the phases of dealing with the paperwork, mm-hmm. which there's always paperwork for everything you do. Um, the great thing is we have about $500,000 set aside from a donor, a couple donors that are wow. supporting us and we still need probably $2.5 million mm-hmm. to to begin. But um, we're excited because we really think it's going to meet a need in our community. Um, now, what if I, if we could just park there for a second, because I remember you, you talking about this about a year ago. Um, what was the heart behind you and the, you and the staff and the leadership saying, this is something we need in Modesto what what was the what were the things triggering that so the heart behind it was of course wanting to be there to meet the needs of the community but most importantly we were turning away women and children yeah and we still are turning away women and children and um also you, you have a facility now it's it's just very limited and in, in yeah the- so we have 54 beds in that facility and 20 of those beds are filled by women in the new life program right so that means we have 30 roughly 35 beds for women and children who need emergency shelter. The problem is that we cannot house more than that. Right. So we are full almost every night without, without fail and particularly during, during the winter. Um, so we are also challenged with women who have male children ages 11 and above because it's not really age appropriate to mix them in with the women mm, right. and there aren't mm. separate facilities. And so our desire behind this building is number one, have more capacity for women in the program, but also utilize the existing facility uh, for all 54 beds, do a little bit of re- redesign, but also have some mothers with children 
in our new building uh, so they can have their own space, um, which which we think is very important. Oh, yes. Awesome. And, and, and the reason, you know, somebody asked me the other day, they said, well, why do you have more beds for men than you do for women? Well, my answer in, was this, that historically, shelters, when they were built back in the late 30s and 40s, your largest population of homeless were men. Mm-hmm. This homeless women and children trend has only been happening for probably the last 10 years. Uh. Right. So uh, a lot of missions haven't caught up to, caught up to that. Right. right. But now we're just like realizing, wait a minute, this new homeless population is women and children due to various reasons, domestic violence, bad relationships, uh, et cetera. So, yeah. um, and, and for for every person, it's another kind of a story. Like it, it there's no sweeping reason. No, right? no, yeah. and, and sometimes it's much like a like an onion. There's multiple layers, right? Mm. You know, whether it may be uh, addiction, mental health, uh, bad relationships, bad choices, all these things. Yeah, and what comes first of all of those things? It doesn't. You know, it could interchange with each person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And exactly what we've been trying to do too with the programs is is do kind of an individualized treatment plan in the sense of if you came to us and you've already had multiple years of addiction recovery, mm-hmm. uh, we may not need to send you through the addiction recovery track, uh, but maybe you've had issues with anger management. Maybe you had other issues that need to be addressed that haven't been addressed. So we're going to design a special track for the people that come to us to help them. Instead of having a cookie cutter saying, okay, if you don't fit within these these boundaries within the program as far as topics or whatever you need to to learn about, then you're not, you know, you're not going to get fulfilled in the program. Right. You can go, go to some other program. Right. Um, so instead of the programs, uh, existing, uh, based on the people, what we're doing is we're kind of personalizing that program for them saying, well, if you need some job skills, we can do this. If you need that, because a lot of people come to us with with no addiction issues, right? With, with no mental health issues, right? But they may need something else. So what we're trying to do is kind of think outside the box, as it were, and design that instead of saying, "Well, if you don't fit this, then you have to go somewhere else." Mike, that sounds a lot like discipleship. Yeah, it does. <laughs> well, and the other thing, it, <laughs> the other thing it brings to mind too, Chris. Is I would imagine, Kevin, that re- that requires some uh, extensive training on the front end for your intake people, right, to be able to recognize those particular issues. So, talk a little bit about what's involved just in that aspect of it, being able to recognize those issues, identify them, and get them into the uh, proper plan that they need. So, uh, we have staff that are very dedicated. Uh, we call them chaplains, uh, but basically, they're caseworkers. So they'll come in and they'll meet with somebody who's in the either an emergency shelter, uh, who's interested in going farther and trying to help them figure out what it is that they need. Um, so they've had some addiction certification training. They've had a little bit of mental health training. Uh, they're not certified mental health clinicians. Um, our director of programs is certified in mental health, uh, treatment. So he has some, you know, experience with that. Um, but grassroots level guys, they've just been there. They love the clientele. I was going to say, oftentimes your staff are folks that have come 
from the street community or they've they've come up in around it. They're just familiar with it. Yeah, right now probably eighty percent of our staff have come through the program. Mm. And they are there giving back in many many different ways. Uh whether it's through working in the kitchen, whether it's working with the emergency shelter guests, whether it's being a chaplain in the program, uh, being a supervisor. Um, so a sundry different uh, different things. Awesome. Kevin, you, you did something extraordinary when you first came on, and it was kind of a like an undercover boss uh, type situation. Can you relate that story again for those maybe who are not familiar with it? So um, it's kind of funny how God works. Well, it's not funny. It's truly wonderful how he works. But before I came to the interview, I had thought, well, you know what? I'd really like to do a night undercover. But I didn't have time. So when I was in the interview with the board, uh, one of the board members said, hey, would you be interested in doing a night undercover? I had to kind of chuckle a little bit. I said, of course, I would love to. Because it would give me a, a, a first-hand view, a, I, a, you know, first-person experience with what was going right, getting to know people who were displaced. And, you know, I, I like to I like to say we we don't work with homeless people; we work with people who are homeless mm-hmm. or houseless. Uh, and it did just that. Uh, I came in. Um, I was disguised. I was able to talk to some of the homeless. They didn't think I was anybody. Undercover, they just thought I was a homeless person, right? And so, uh, they, um, when I came in, a couple of the staff were like, Is this your first time here? They didn't recognize me. I said, Yeah. I said, uh, My name is Robert Gonzalez and I'm from Salinas. And I heard there's good work up here and I heard about the shelter, right? So I just kind of played it up a little bit. And I was amazed at their response in the sense that they were really willing to go outside of. You know, they say, "Hey, don't worry, man. We'll we'll take care of you, right?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and it made me feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, there were some staff that were not as helpful and were talking a little brash uh, to the guests. And so, when I came back as the executive director, <laughs> I had a meeting with this person and said, "That's not acceptable behavior that I want here at the mission." These folks are already down. They're already out. We don't need to talk to them like dogs. We need to give them their dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. And um, don't forget where you came from because you were Mm -hmm. at one time Mm -hmm. one of those persons in the line waiting to get a bed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, And I've never been homeless. I've been blessed. I mean, I really have been blessed. Uh, But I thought, there but the grace of God go I. How would I I deal with that? And uh, it was very... Very. I wish I could have, Mike, Chris. I wish I could have stayed longer, but I think the the gig was up in the morning when they knew that I had left and didn't come back that night. You know, so it was fun though. <laughs> did, did did anything happen inside you, uh, having that 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 experience? Uh, did God give you any new insights about you uh, personally as you went through that experience? I, I, yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I think there's a a tendency for people who have never been on that side of life's issues to have almost a, a false pride. Um, and uh, God uh, God dealt with me in the sense of, look, Kevin, you're no better than those folks. 
you're a child of grace. My grace has kept you from those things, but you could have very easily found your way there if you had made some different decisions and didn't have a good support system in your life. And and so it really gave me a, an overwhelming compassion, uh, maybe probably a deeper compassion for for those who are experiencing those kind of issues. Um, and it was just incredible. I mean, um, the whole experience. I mean, I don't think I slept more than three hours that night. And I'm not sure if it was because of the noise or because just being in a strange place. And, mm-hmm. and um, but uh, I took it all in and um, I frequently show people my picture and I'm, I'm reminded of that day mm-hmm. and how I felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that morning I actually went to a um, Kiwanis meeting. One of the board members took me to Kiwanis dressed up that way. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah and I got some very interesting looks. Now, I'm, <laughs> now I'm part of that Kiwanis club uh, now, but uh, yeah, it was just it was pretty interesting. Um, and I thought, wow, you know, we we so marginalize those people. I mean, there are some people out there that have some real incredible issues and behaviors that nobody here in this community or or, or we approve of, right? But we need to learn to separate the people from the behaviors. And, yeah, uh, Jesus did that with us. So yeah, it's yeah. you know I I th- I'm continually amazed. Um, your story makes me think of really how brave uh, people who are on the street are sometimes. Um, I think you know you were saying you got three hours of sleep that night, and and a lot of people will say, well, you know, if you're on the street, why don't you just go down to the mission? Well, to make that choice, you're, for one, you're making a choice to go sleep in a room full of strangers. And anyone listening, if you can imagine yourself making that choice, right? You're in a room just absolutely full of strangers. Again, strange noises, all kinds of things going on in the night. And, um, the, the folks that, that actually break through that barrier and say, yeah, I'm going to do it, you know, are there, there's some brave individuals. Um, I, I, uh, and for some people, for one reason or another, mental health issues, uh, some folks are just stubborn, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah. uh, oftentimes, you know, some of the folks that stay outside do so because they honestly can't bring themselves to come into that situation because for them, it's just way too scary. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, kudos to you for, for doing that. And, uh, to the, to the men and women that do it every night, right? Yeah, no. And I I mean, the thing is, I'm like, wow, you guys, hats off to you guys. You guys do this every night. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, I did it one night and yeah, I got some street credit for it, but that's what I wasn't looking for. I was just trying to get, you just wanted the experience. I wanted the experience and, and Yeah. yeah, I think anybody can be homeless for a night or homeless for a couple of weeks, but uh, some of these folks that I know, they've been doing this for years. Yeah. Right. And you're exactly right, Chris. You hit the nail on the head. The, the mental health issues, behavioral health issues, whatever you want to call them. Some of those things preclude people from coming into the shelter because they can't handle the crowd. Right. Now it's, it's not super spacious up there. There are a hundred beds. I mean, it's not cramped, but it's not super spacious. So people have issues with, with you know yeah. claustrophobia or yeah. just fear of people or what you know I yeah definitely folks dealing with Pete uh, uh, post traumatic stress disorder oh. all, all those kinds mm-hmm. of things are are at play 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And uh, it gave me a it gave me a greater appreciation because my my uh, <laughs> my wife picked me up at the gas station that morning, dressed, you know, and uh, it gave me a greater appreciation too for what I have. Mm-hmm. We're always whining about what we don't have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, maybe we don't want to have what we don't have, mm-hmm. right? And and be appreciative of what we do have. Right. And uh, I pass that message on quite a bit when I talk to people. Look, be grateful that you do have a, a, a family that cares about you, that knows where you're at, that loves you, that is a support system. Because there are plenty of people, as you know, both of you know, that we are blessed to work with that population. That Some, some of those folks don't even have family yeah and and support systems yeah which are very important to their success for sure you you talked a little bit about the new life program and i think that um uh that it might surprise some folks that that the mission does something like that um i think uh maybe maybe a lot of the mentality in the community is uh, you're an emergency shelter and you give people food can you, uh, if you had a chance to sit and talk with somebody that that might think that that's all the mission does, can you can you maybe fill that out a little bit more about what the real mission of the mission is? So the real mission of the mission is refuge, recovery, and restoration. Now people are at different levels there. Okay, yeah. so there may be everybody's some, at yeah, different right parts of that path. Right. Yeah. So on that continuum, there may be some people who all they want is refuge. So all they want is a hot meal and a bed, and you're not going to get anywhere past that. That's all they want, okay? And that's okay. But for those people who want something deeper, that recovery, we've 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 got that there. And then ultimately, the goal, I think, is to get people back up at their feet again, mm-hmm. and to and to get them off the roster of being one of those persons who's living on the street or is is homeless. Right. Ultimately, that's my goal as an executive director and as an organization. Well, first of all, is to introduce them to Christ. Mm-hmm. What they do with that is up to them. Uh, we're not going to force them to. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, you you make them go to chapel and you make them say the prayer." We don't make them say anything in chapel. Right. Right. You've been to chapel. You get up there. You preach the message. If somebody receives the Lord, great. If they don't, great. We still love them. It's not. It's not like we're giving them brownie points for that. Um, and then they go in and they get their meal. Now, there have been people who have come to the mission for years who still have not given their life to Christ because that is an individual choice. Mm-hmm. Right. right Now, it's not going to keep us from presenting the gospel, but we believe that that's where that restorative power comes, is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are the gospel mission. We are the gospel <laughs> mission, right? Uh, somebody said, well, why don't you not do chapel and, and just... I said, then we would be just the Modesto mission. Right. I said maybe we could change the name to Modesto Good News Mission, but people will know the gospel is the good news. It is the power unto salvation, right, for both the Jew and the Greek. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, and so you can't convince me that the mission or YWAM or AVC or Church in the Park, these these organizations that are regularly out there preaching the gospel, aren't maintaining mm-hmm. some spiritual welfare for the people that we work with. You know, Kevin, we're th- this morning, uh, I-, I was at a meeting where we were discussing some of the challenges of articulating and, and having the real mission of 
our nonprofit, of our ministry, stick. And so oftentimes, one of the things that we're struggling with is the, people glom onto the superficial thing. Mom needs a crib. Single mom needs a crib. Great. One of our donors has a crib, and they donate it, and boom, it's done. No, that that's not what we want. The, the, the real mission is not to give them a crib. The mission is to get a believer in Jesus Christ in relationship with the person in need so that they can be introduced to Jesus Christ. And then, as you say, it's up to them and the Holy Spirit from there. You know, our, our, our job is, is to make the connection. So often that main mission is lost and, and people don't see it. They don't recognize it or they choose not to recognize it. I, you know, uh, it, it, well, it's, it's a, a lengthier process. It, it, it might require time. Right? It requ- <laughs> requires time and it requires building a relationship. Right. And so I don't know. D- do you sense that sometimes in, in your communication that, man, that the deeper stuff sometimes just isn't sticking? Oh, most definitely. Um, the ultimate goal for me in partnering with churches in our community is not, I mean, sure, we need financial support because we don't take any government monies. We don't pay. Right. That's first and foremost to keep us running. But ultimately, the end game is for us is to get people connected with people. We're trying to get mentors people from church to be mentors for the people that we work with because they need to see that there are people out there that care about them besides the Modesto Gospel Mission. Yes. Right? right. And But we're not going to expect anything out of their relationship because it's going to be a one-sided relationship for some time while you're developing the friendship and, 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 and you're actually in the discipleship. You need people in it for the long haul. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Uh, I, I was in a newspaper article the other day and I, I said this, and I'll stick by this, Everybody likes to catch fish, but nobody likes to clean them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... I like to eat them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Deep if fried. you think about it, right? I mean, evangelism is a wonderful thing, and I'm an evangelist at the heart. I believe in seeing people getting saved, and I love... You know, I was involved in Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames for seven years, which is a very evangelistic drama. But where the real work comes is not... After, it's not before the prayer, it's after the prayer that somebody mm, makes a commitment. Right. That that discipleship is it is important, right? Because that discipleship is what causes that person to have a healthy relationship with Christ, a healthy relationship in the church, a healthy relationship in the word, all those things that we try to get done at the mission through the discipleship program. It's just, we could call it the... Modesto Gospel Discipleship Program, but new life sounds a lot better than all that because then you have to describe, well, what's discipleship? Well, it's, it, it's the difference. Well, you know, when, when the, when the Jewish people, when the Hebrews came out of Egypt, they were freed from slavery the minute they left Goshen, right? The minute they left, they weren't slaves. They were free, but they had to get through a sea. They had 40 years in the wilderness and a lot of fight in front of them before they got to the promised land. And that's what people are facing every day. They they can come to know Christ, and the minute they come to know Christ and accept him, they're free. But there's also some stuff to get through. There's some battles in the way until you reach the promised land. It's in, And to me, that sounds like the heart of what 
the new life program is all about. You're you're trying to get people from out of the uh, rescue phase and to a place of restoration into a promised land. We we had a graduation yesterday of a young lady who she had come to us about a year and a month ago, and she never thought that she could stop using drugs. She went through the program. She got her daughter back. She gave her life to Christ. Mm. She has a full-time job. She's going to be living on her own soon. Now, to me, we played a very, 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 very minute part in that by being available to the call of God to work at the mission, to be part of the, the I guess you could say, part of the spoke, right? But ultimately, it's the restorative power of Christ mm. that is in her. And we always say this, don't forget the one that brought you here because he's mm. going to be the one who's going to carry you on. Mm. Mm. And, and, that, and that's important for us, is not only to build that, and what we do when they graduate is they're going to a local church we actually have the pastor of the church come to the graduation that they've been attending, and we pass that person on to the pastor That's and to great. the church. And we've been able to bring this person this far with the Lord's help. Now we're giving them to you as the local body, as a local church, to care for and to and to now minister to. We'll still be here in a in a accountability situation but ultimately we want you to get plugged into the church and and grow there friends you're listening to lighthouse live the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities our special guest tonight kevin carroll man at the helm of the modesto gospel mission and our producer and co-host chris whitler here with us uh kevin i'm sure some people are saying wow yes that's what i've been looking for this is something i can get behind how do I get involved? Uh, tell folks how can, they can reach you and uh, support you in this long-term effort. Well, uh, you know, I encourage everybody to come by the mission if you've never been there. We're at 1400 Yosemite Boulevard. You can check us out on the web at modestogospelmission.org. Um, just come by and see what's going on. Uh, I think, to me, proof is in the pudding. Introduce you to some people who eight, nine, ten months ago were homeless on the streets and didn't have anything and to see the not the finished product but the product that's still right. in process and uh, I would encourage you to give us a call at 209-529-8259 and ask for me and uh, you can call me directly at 209-225-2901 so Kevin something that that has been gnawing away at me for for a while is i think sometimes we sell salvation and only give people the front end of that we don't give them the big picture you know we're looking oftentimes for a, a stat you know how many received christ great how many baptisms do we have this year ah, awesome well okay but what what about the long-term thing have we prepared people for a long-term relationship with Christ and what that really means. In, in my experience, when I was new to vocational ministry, like you, I'd come out of uh, law enforcement and, the, and, then, and then, in my case, the fire service, but this was kind of new to me, this vocational pastoring, and what, what I found out was 
man, you get this couple and they come to Christ and everybody's yes. And then, uh, we, we kind of just leave them there and all of a sudden, man, they get hit. You know, the enemy just comes up and man, whaps them upside the head and, and they're experiencing many difficulties. I think many times we don't adequately prepare people for the long-term relationship and what that means. You know, we, we sell them on heaven, you know, for eternity, but oftentimes we're not preparing them for the long-term journey on this side of eternity and, and what God asks us to do. I think that's the value, Kevin, and of, of a lot of what you do is you are preparing folks for the reality of what it means to walk with Christ and not just the kind of, the, the shiny get out of jail free card. Yeah, and I think it's important that we we stress that too to to people that like this is it's this elemental stuff that you need to get a hold of, you know that scripture that you know talks about building character through your through the perseverance, right? And then character builds hope, and hope does not disappoint, right? So a lot of people are anxious, I think, to give their life to Christ because. they never have, or they've been told that's what they need to do. But after the fact, what do you do with that? How do you unpackage that to somebody who's been living in the world most of their life and doesn't know how to speak properly, doesn't know how to maybe read the word, maybe doesn't even know how to act like a Christian? They might not even know how to read. Right. They may not even know how to read. And <laughs> exactly. you say, okay, well, what I want you to do is, and this is great advice, look, what we used to do is I used to say, look, there's three things I want you to do now that you've given your life to Christ. Number one, I want you to pray. What is prayer? Prayer is conversation with God. Just like we're talking here, that's conversation. Secondly, you need to get into a good Bible-believing body of believers. That, And I know there's churches in this community that would love to have you, right? Uh, or even this church that we're doing the drama in. And then thirdly, read your word. Because that's God's love letter to you, and that's the instruction, basic instruction before leaving earth. Now, what happens with that, hopefully, is that that pastor or that person who's interested in discipling, I think what should happen is when somebody gives their life to Christ, that somebody should just stand up and say, okay, I'll take that one. Yeah. He's mine. When somebody else says, well, that one's mine, right? And actually, you know, like police, they go through the academy, and everybody thinks that, once they've gone through the academy, they're ready to be a, a number one top police officer. And then you find out what it's really like. <laughs> yeah. And then you're assigned a field training officer for a year, right? right? Same thing with probation. We had the same kind of thing. You know, you think you get out of college, you got a degree in probation or whatever, and you're like, yeah, I can change the world. But really, it's the day-to-day mundane things you have to right. learn to do. Well, Am I in the room with two former law enforcement yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that whole thing of having a field training officer is that field training officer is there to help train that new officer who has just come out of the academy. So you've given your life to Christ. You've come out of the academy, as it were. Right. And you're like, okay, there you go. Now you get to live life. And I know that's not the way it is in some areas, but sometimes... People give their life to Christ. And so what we try to do at the mission, and I know a lot of good organizations, Teen Challenge, other organizations like that, Youth of the Mission, they're like, look, we have to get you discipled. And that's, right. that's the key. I think that's the, the, uh, the key to keeping somebody in the faith. And, and because things will happen as soon as you give your life, as soon as you say that prayer, amen, 
you've crossed from the darkness to the light, and the enemy is not happy. No, so absolutely. if he can pull you back in, uh, and, and unfortunately, we've, we've seen that at the mission, mm, where sure. people have come in, and they've started doing really well, and they've gotten their life back on track, and, and then certain things happen, and they don't, or they don't deal with everything they need to deal with, they're pulled back into their life. You know, I think one of the keys for us as spiritual leaders, community leaders, is to not take those people and give them a formula for failure. Um, so often we will want to parade them. Here's our success story. I found that in, in marriage ministries when I was cutting my teeth on vocational ministry. Man, here is a couple that they reconciled. Great. And so we put them on public display as an example and what happens a year and a half later, man, the enemy comes in and whap. You know, they, they split apart. And, and really I got convicted because I made that mistake early on. And I said, man, I, I got to learn never to do that again. You know, th- this, this is not someone to parade around. This is someone now that we need to disciple. Getting back to your early comment, yeah. Chris, <laughs> we need to have a long-term relationship here and we really need to protect them from becoming a poster child for whatever you're doing. Now, that said, we also got donors out there, right? <laughs> and and neither one of us take government funding for a lot of good reasons. Uh, you know, so we you know we have got to do something to tell stories and to be able to tell donors, you know, we're, we're doing something. But on the other hand, we need to be careful not to set up people for the attack and and adequately prepare them for a life as as a believer. And again, it comes back to them being in relationship with some. I mean, even secular recovery understands that with sponsors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to celebrate small victories and always communicate in a way to where you know people are on a road. They're on a journey, and there's ups and downs to that journey. And, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, the whole dynamic of, one, trying to communicate to your supporters what their support is doing or what their potential support could do. But but also uh, being very careful with people's lives, right. you know, not being cavalier with their lives and and their stories, but to celebrate. And I think those graduation ceremonies mm. uh, is a part is a is a way that you all do that. When someone graduates, what does that represent? Um, what are the things they've come through to be able to? Get that diploma or however it is you handle yeah, so that. Yeah, so it's basically what we do is a, it's a certificate of completion saying they've completed all the requirements of the program, which is multiple different things. Um, they've done their accountabilities with their chaplain. They've um, done well in their classwork. Uh, we give them classwork, and they've done well with that. They've done well in their uh, case management, all of that. So it's a it's a complete thing. So it's not just we try to make sure that they're kind of covered on every area. And then one of the things is, too, one of the things we require is that if they're going to go into transition, we want them to have a job. We want them to have that job for mm. a couple months. So it's a proven thing. So they're allowed to work mm-hmm. and still yeah. stay yes. at uh, yeah. in sure. the program. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that, and that by far, I think, is one of those kind of um, test case things in the sense of, Okay, so they've been not sheltered, but they've been here at the mission for a year. They're going to get a job. Um, we recently 
partnered with uh, uh, Jenny Boyer uh, in the what was called the Enterprise Program. So it's a new facet of the mission that she's introduced to us, and we actually have staff who are trained in, in doing this now. But it's actually getting them ready for success. Mm. Uh, the, the scripture is, you know, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many of us know that we can give our life to Christ but still have stinking thinking? Mm -hmm. So it takes a little bit extra time and delves down into those issues that led them there and and kind of unpeels things and mm -hmm. tries to get them there. So so that's what it looks like. So they've completed the coursework, they've completed this they've completed the time. Um some people finish earlier than others. Uh, we really and that's part of what we're doing with the new program is we're not putting like 18 months on it, right? Now, she can be in transition for up to six months or maybe even longer. Okay. And then we'll have them pay just $250 a month rent. And we have some apartments or some houses they can stay in. When they're ready to leave after their time, we'll give them 75% of their money back. Mm -hmm. So they'll have a yeah. place to have a rental history, sure. money, mm -hmm. et cetera. Yeah. Um, and uh, for all intents and purposes, that works for a lot of people. Again, mm -hmm. The success rate is not like, you know, 100%. Right. Because people... People are people. People are people. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think I think the goal here is, again, is finding out what they need to do to get back up on their feet. How can we as an organization come alongside of them and help them be successful? Many people just need somebody to come alongside of them and, and help them to be that structure for them, to be that boundary to be, you know, to do that, you know, so we do have rules and, and some people like them, some people don't, but rules are there. They, mm -hmm. they exist for protection. Mm -hmm. So now, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but yeah, you, you, um, and, uh, the folks at the mission and specifically you are in, uh, conversations in our community right now about the homeless population and uh, what is the best way for the community to address that. We, we're in some of the same meetings sometimes when, when we make it, but uh, uh, you're, you're a part of the conversation in the community. Um, can you give us a little snapshot of, of uh, where that conversation is at? Uh, I try not to read the comment section of the Modesto B online, but <laughs> whenever there's an article I hear about you. this, <laughs> I have disciplined myself not to read. The don't look, online just comments. don't look, just don't look. But uh, where where are we at as far as uh, leaders in our community and folks getting together that are trying to to say, hey, let's let's work together to do something together. So as the mission, you know, you're sort of part of that pie. But what's can you give us an overall view of the conversation yeah. right now? Uh, the conversation has shifted. Um, look, there's two, and I may have said this last time I was here. There's two responses to any ill in our society: one of compassion, one of contempt. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of has been a lot of contempt in our city because of the issue with the homeless in the parks and just the growing number of people that we're seeing in the community. Um, and through the uh, the summit in October, there was, uh, I think, a education piece that came out when the people were giving their life stories about that, hey, we're just normal folks that have had life has happened. And 
So that's brought another dynamic mm. to the, to the discussion. It's an important facet. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. And I, as I said earlier, I'm I'm a firm believer um, that everybody, as we know, is made in the image of God, and they 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 deserve dignity and respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we can't condone we can't condone their behavior. Mm-hmm. So we have to separate that. So what's happening now with like the Homeless Action Council, which I'm a part of, um, we've convened for seven months. Uh, there's going to be a plan that comes out, and uh, I think it's a, a great plan, um, a good strategy. I think that uh, Stanislaus County is is to be commended to Stan Rising is to be commended to to even think about going for this this ten year plan. Um, Look, it's it's taken a long time for this county to get this way. It's going to take a, a long time for it to get better mm-hmm. uh, in the sense it may not be done in a day. I mean, mm-hmm. it would be great. And there are different camps in this conversation. Yeah. Okay? Some camps would rather, like, take all the homeless and put them on a bus and ship them somewhere else. And there's camps who want to do everything for them. I, I think there's somewhere it needs to be in between. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a Modesto Gospel Mission issue or Salvation Army or YWAM or Advanced Survivor Community. It's a community issue. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So we get to solve it community-wide. And and that's what's been encouraging is that a lot of different stakeholders and different people in the community have come together. And, you know, as a nonprofit, I may not understand the plight of a businessman downtown who's having people who are staying near his place defecate on his porch every single day Mm -hmm. i'm not having to deal with that but i think what's happening is that now the dialogue is opening and the dialogue so a guy like that can call me or someone salvation army and say hey what do i do right so there's cross communication Mm -hmm. right and it may be full of angst on one end yeah like i am tired of this guy doing this stuff i don't want it to get physical blah 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 whatever what do i do so we're having several conversations with people about an education piece that's kind of coming out of this, of a class, we'll do a day-long class, to educate people in the community about what you should do. First of all, what homelessness looks like, because really what homelessness looks like is when you look in the mirror, that's what homelessness looks like. Right. Because it's you and I, it's our mm-hmm. brothers and sisters. Right. They're out there, right? So the conversations have been heated. Yes. At times. But I believe that the fact that there's a conversation going on, that that is a huge help. Yes. And I love being involved in that because I think we can offer some practical solutions. Yeah. As the, I believe we can be salt and light in this situation, um, irregardless of the faith-based perspective that we have. I believe that the world is wants us to come to the table and and tell them what we think. And I think this is a good way, too, to break down the silos between our agencies, first of all, and then secondly, between us and the community, uh, community perceiving that all you do at the mission is feed them and kick them out in the morning, and you don't do anything else but that. 
Right. Oh, we do much more than that. Yeah. Same thing with with youth admission. Oh, you guys just go down there and feed all those people at the hotels down on Ninth Street. What else do you do? You just feed them, right? No, <laughs> you're you're rolling your sleeves. Actually, up. that's the least we do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's just it. Maybe starts with a meal. Right. It's for us. It starts with a meal at the mission, and that can break down a lot of people. You know, uh, walls when they're sitting there eating a hot meal and they haven't had a hot meal for a long time, yeah. and then we're able to open the dialogue. A cup of coffee goes a long way. Oh, it does. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the, I always firm believe the Holy Spirit uses coffee. Uh, on a regular basis. Hey, coffee is coffee is the nectar of ministry. <laughs> I mean, Saint Arbucks. I mean, <laughs> Saint Arbucks. Yeah, you know, Kevin. I, I think your your point is is really really important. So many times, and no matter what the issue is in town, so often you you get the polls. You know, and, and the broad brushes are, are applied. And we don't oftentimes in, in community actually sit down to the table and listen to each other. What I appreciate about you in particular over the years that you've been here is your proactive willingness to develop relationships and to listen and to engage in conversation and to partner and not to say, look, we got it nailed. We know how to do it. You know, as, as a community, we need to be talking about these issues. Working it through, and I, I think it's important for businessmen to be able to, or business women to be able to say, "Man, I can call the mission and ask them how I should appropriately deal with yeah, this." Get some perspective, but you can't do that without building relationships yeah. in the community. You can't, as our friend Ross Bryles says, you know, you, you you can't do that without spending time with each other and and uh, talking through some of the and getting to know each other. And uh, I, I appreciate your, uh, Kevin, your proactive stance on developing those community partnerships and working with people and listening. That's so important. Yeah, and I've, I've done quite a bit of listening on occasion, and that's all I had a chance to do was uh, listen. I'm sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I will say no more about that. But the, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of angst out there, and sure there I is, acknowledge yeah. that. Look, I want... My kids, I mean, my kids are 14 and 12 now, but I want people's kids to be able to go to the parks and feel safe. Sure. I want, I want that to happen. I'm part of this community. That's what a lot of people don't understand about the people who come to the mission. They're part of this community. They're right. our neighbors. They're our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And at one time, they were successful people, didn't have issues. They were married. They had children. They had all these things, and life happened to them. And one of the things we try to do with the guys and the gals that come in is like, look, you need to give back. So we're part of park cleanups. We're part of Love Modesto. We're part of all this stuff because I believe it's important for us to be part of the community. Right. Yes. Yep. Not just, mm-hmm. oh, hey, come, you know, come see what we're doing or come give us your money or come give us your donations and we'll be fine. We'll just stay in our little four walls here. Mm-hmm. No, right. we're, we're a community ministry and, and we need to be in the community. And that's why we are back in the community. Preach it, brother. Yeah. There you go. Kevin, uh, you know, God's time is eternal. Uh, ours is bumping the clock here on this <laughs> side, though. Uh, remaining a uh, minute or two that we have, uh, provide some encouragement for people to, um, you know, maybe get out of their comfort zone to at least engage in the conversation. And again, uh, give folks uh, those phone numbers again. How they can contact you for more information. Well, I had a conversation with a gentleman yesterday. And he was asking me what he could do um, to 
help the mission and uh, and how he could help people who were displaced. I suggested he didn't do it on his own, but I said this. I said, you know, when Peter was in the boat, he had to take the first step. Mm -hmm. And people just need to take the first step. And you get out of that, get over that fear. Now, again, I wouldn't suggest anybody put themselves in danger and be, be wise. But that one-on-one -on -one engagement with somebody else, getting their name, saying, hey, how are you? Where are you from? How can I help you? You know, getting past the, oh, I just need money, but actually getting a name, getting that information, I think it would make a world of difference for a lot of the people that we work with. Because then you have developed that personal relationship with somebody. And when you see them again, oh, hey, Sam, how are you doing? Right? Remember me? Yeah, you're the guy that bought me that cup of coffee and, yeah, and spent right, time with right, me. Right. right? I think a lot of people just want want to be loved for where they're at without expectation. But once we get to know them, then we can help lead them where we, you know, where they need to be. And perhaps it'll awaken a hunger that they didn't even know was there. Yeah. You know, yeah. Through relationship. Man, I, I want my life to be better. I used to be the kind of person that could buy someone a cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, I want to be like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so if you're interested in doing something like that on a practical basis with a mission, I mean, because I'm representing the mission here. Um, give me a call, 209-529-8259. Go to our website, uh, modestogospelmission.org, and uh, then come by 1400 Yosemite Boulevard. Uh, next Wednesday, we're having our Happy Birthday Jesus party, which we're excited about. That's the 23rd. 23rd, 23rd right. of December. big deal, and, right. and, uh, because mm -hmm. you get a meal and you get a present, but most of all, it's, we're celebrating the birth of our Lord, Savior, Amen. Jesus Christ. So. Amen. Again, friends, you've been listening to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our guest tonight, Kevin Carroll, the man at the helm of the Modesto Gospel Mission. And uh, thanks to our producer and co-host, Chris Whitler, as well. And Chris, as we close, uh, would you offer a prayer sure. for uh, Kevin and the good folks over there? Lord, uh, thank you so much for the work of the mission uh, in our community. And I pray uh, right now for every person that's in that New Life program today. God, that you would give them the courage and strength to take their next step. Um, God, thank you for the staff. Uh, give them hearts of compassion and uh, energy for the work you've called them to do. We just pray that you'd fill their sails uh, for all the folks working at the mission right now. Fill their sails with mm -hmm. your wind, with your blessing, with mm -hmm. your power and grace. And Lord, provide for the mission. We pray for uh, finances uh, to come uh, out of nowhere, Lord, uh, $2.1 million is not a big deal to mm -hmm. you. So we pray that you right. provide uh, right. for that women and children's shelter and uh, for uh, Kevin and his family to bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a reminder, friends, easy on-ramps to be able to connect with others uh, by being salt and light and loving your neighbors as yourself. Check uh, those opportunities out at VibrantCommunities.org, VibrantCommunities.org. On behalf of all of us here at Advancing Vibrant Communities and Lighthouse Live, thanks for joining us tonight. Merry Christmas to you if we don't contact you before then. Blessings on you now. Bye.